Do you ever listen to these Manosphere podcasts that act as though women need to get permission to breathe? You know the ones I'm talking about. A big topic of conversation for them is voting. Essentially, since men have to enroll in the selective service and women don't, they think women shouldn't be allowed to vote. They link these two ideas together and assert that if a woman doesn't have a stake in the fighting, she hasn't earned the right to vote. Take a listen to this clip from the Whatever podcast just to get an idea of what I'm talking about. Women weren't allowed to vote until, like, recently. Like... 1918, and I believe it was ratified in 1920, okay. so we've had a century of women being able to vote, but okay. But the fact that that wasn't available. I would have preferred not having the right to vote in 1914. Any reason why I might have not wanted the right to vote? Because you would have stayed at home. You would have been like the caretaker. Is that what you're kind of saying? From 1914 to 1918, what happened? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> he says more, but you get the picture. And let's not forget, this is a frequent complaint that he brings up on the podcast. So it's not just some one-off or something he said on the fly. It's something he really believes. Now, it's one thing if you don't think women should vote. Fine. That's your opinion. We all got one. They're like armpits. It's sexist and likely misogynistic, but we all have opinions. I tip my hat to you for at least having the balls to say it out loud. The problem with his line of thinking from that podcast clip is it's wrong on so many levels. He's trying to sound like some pseudo-intellectual and prove that women are cowards and war dodgers and that selective service enshrined voting rights for men. Above all else, it's cowardly. Why won't he just say women shouldn't vote instead of hedging around the statement and backing into this sexist opinion with historically inaccurate facts? This guy reminds me so much of Ben Shapiro. He thinks he's a debate god, but he only debates college kids. This whatever podcast guy thinks he's some thought leader male activist, but he only debates porn stars and OnlyFans sluts. Look, dunking on women, stupid women in particular, doesn't make you some stud genius. Like, you already grown on and on about women being emotional and how they should stay home and breed babies, and that's what you think you're smarter than? Wow. As Shania Twain would say, that don't impress me much. Bringing in half-naked women to talk about their sex life and kinks. Uh, do you have a fetish? You say women go to clubs for male attention, but what are you doing? You're so lame, you drag women into your workplace and interview them so you can stare at their titties and talk about sex? Anywho, that's a whole side issue about the structure of that podcast. So, put a pin in it. Let's go break down that ridiculous soundbite I originally played for you and find out why this is nothing but deceptive propaganda. First things first, sure, World War I had a draft, but also remember that women couldn't vote then and we essentially had no say in Congress. We barely had representation. The United States started to build up forces during the First World War. In fact, over 70% of American forces were draftees. Do you know how many women were in Congress when this draft was approved? One. Her name was Jeanette Rankin. She was elected to the Senate before women had the right to vote. Did you know that she voted against World War I? In fact, at the time, even though some of her male colleagues voted against the war, she's the one that got stuck with a bad rap. Men started saying she couldn't handle the burden of leadership because she was a woman. She was voted out. That's right. She lost her job to protect men from being forced to go to war. She won re-election in 1940 and was still just as obstinate, voting against World War II. 
This made Jeanette Rankin the only member of Congress to have voted against both world wars. Maybe you should bring this up on your podcast next time for a little bit of context about women in the war. But let's address this selective service application that you like to whip out frequently. The first peacetime draft was signed into law by President Roosevelt in 1940, 20 years after women got the right to vote. This created the selective service that you're familiar with today, where men have to register with the military one month after their 18th birthday. Don't forget, it was a man's world then, and they set the rules up. Do you know how many women were in Congress in 1940? Nine women. The rest were men. So it wasn't broads who got this legislation passed. It took hundreds of male elected officials to approve this and a male president to sign it into law. The peacetime draft ended in 1973. At that point, there were just 16 women in Congress. So yeah, it was men that inflicted onto other men the obligation to go to war. Furthermore, if avoiding war was their main intention, then women did a really bad job at it. Like, you think they just waited till after World War I to get their suffrage rights? The suffrage movement endured through the Civil War, the Second Seminole War, the Mexican-American War, the Spanish-American War, as well as World War I. But nice try trying to move that Overton window, but, you know, it doesn't work on women who can read. Second thing, you're narrowing in on 1920 the date women's suffrage was ratified, but you're leaving out key facts in that timeline. You're either doing this out of ignorance or to be intentionally deceptive. Either way, it ain't cool. Women weren't sitting around going, oh yeah, let's have all these men die in war and then wait to ask for our right to vote. It wasn't some sort of get out of war free card that they were holding onto, then relinquished suddenly in 1920. The women's suffrage movement began a century earlier, Reform groups began popping up as early as the 1820s. The movement officially organized in 1848 at the Seneca Falls Convention. Third, you know, you're always linking military service with voting, but they're not connected now, and they weren't at our founding either. The Constitution left voting up to the states. For decades, state legislatures limited this to white male property owners. Some states also instituted religious tests that made it so only Christian men could vote. Voting was not contingent on wartime service. It was about being white and being a landowner. After the Civil War, the 15th Amendment was passed. It opened up voting to all citizens. Citizens, though, were still only defined as men. Nevertheless, the 15th Amendment enshrined into the Constitution a guarantee that black men also had the right to vote. But as we all know, the South was not down with that, and they did their best to make life a living hell for black men who wanted to vote. They instituted barriers that allowed them to disenfranchise black men. They issued things such as poll taxes and literacy tests. It was a crutch that Whitey used. These tests kept blacks from voting and allowed white men to say it wasn't technically based on race. Hmm. Sounds like what you're doing with the Selective Service, saying that since we can't be drafted, then we shouldn't be able to vote. It's a thinly veiled lie that you use to cover your blatant misogyny. My fourth main issue is that I've heard you say feminism is rooted in racism. Here's the thing. Feminist ideology isn't racist. Some of the people in charge of it back in the day were, but most men were racist back in the day as well. In fact, voting rights in general were always drawn along racist lines. Remember the fact I just mentioned a few minutes ago about voting being restricted to white male landowners that were Christian? That's pretty racist 
it wasn't right, but it doesn't mean I'm going to throw out all the good things we got from the founding fathers and the early state legislatures. As the old quote says, the thing about the past is it's a foreign country. They do things differently there. Most people living today would have gone along with the racist undertones. Don't go thinking you're special. Yes, some women suffragists were so hell-bent on getting the right to vote that they employed dirty tactics to further their cause. Some suffragists did refuse to support the 15th Amendment. Some even joined forces with racist Southerners. Why? Well, all of a sudden, white men were kind of okay with women voting, and for one reason. It could neutralize votes cast by blacks. That partnership was a bad move, a dirty tactic, but it was politics. Men and women have been employing these tactics since the dawn of time. But someone being racist that's part of a movement doesn't mean you should indict the whole lot. It was a radical wing of the movement, using dirty tricks for their gain. But it didn't make equality or wanting to get women the right to vote suddenly a racist thing. If you trace the roots back of any movement, it's likely racist. Because if you go far enough back in this country, almost everyone was a racist. At the bare minimum, they were okay with letting racism exist. My fifth main problem did you ever think about the women who wanted to serve in the Civil War? There was a draft, and the country still kept women out based on sexist ideas at the time. In fact, quite a few women dressed up as men and secretly served their country. Ever hear of Sarah Emma Edmonds, known as Franklin Flint Thompson of the 2nd Michigan Infantry? She said, quote, I could only thank God that I was free and could go forward and work, and I was not obliged to stay at home and weep. She has the distinction of being the only woman who served in war and was able to receive a veteran's pension. Imagine sneaking your way into service so you could die for your country and men still want to d**k you over. But she wasn't alone. Ever hear about Albert Cashier, Francis Clayton, Loretta Janetta Valasquez, Mary Galloway, Sarah Rosetta Wakeman? All women who pretended to be men, not for attention, but for service. A sixth main contention that I have, well... You say that we weren't drafted, but you're missing the point that women weren't even allowed to be drafted, let alone join the military. In fact, World War I marks the first time that women were recruited to serve in the military. And guess what? Y'all men needed us bad, real bad, like you probably would have lost without us. You see, all those men left the country and no one was around to make the ammo and the bombs. Imagine fighting and firing an empty gun. Not a good feeling, huh? Remember the women who dressed as men in the Civil War? Well, finally, by World War I, the military realized it did need the help of women to fight in the war. Funny how you skip over this concept. Did you know that the Secretary of the Navy took advantage of a loophole and started letting women enlist under the title Yeoman? By the time the U.S. entered the war, there were more than 2,000 women enlisted in the Navy. Here's another fun fact. The telephone drastically changed military communications in the First World War. It allowed, for the very first time, commanders to communicate with frontline officers that were hundreds of miles away. All that was needed was a lightweight wire connection and an operator. You see, the military first got a bunch of men. Men who were described by Time Magazine as being, quote, ham-handed at managing the switchboard. They instead turned to women who made up over 80% of all telephone operators in the U.S. at the time. The U.S. Department of War issued a request for 100 uniformed female telephone operators who spoke fluent French. They had 100 jobs, and more than 7,600 trained female operators applied. Soldiers called them the Hello Girls. 
General John Pershing described these women as, quote, switchboard soldiers who accepted hazard without reservation to serve their country. Unfortunately, his praise wasn't enough. The government chose to not consider them as a part of the Army, even though they served. Domestically, women stepped up, too. We served in manufacturing roles and agricultural positions. We made bombs and ammo. Women saw the war as an opportunity to show that they deserved independence and voting rights. And instead of just asking for it like they had for decades, they decided to show that they deserved it. They chose to earn something they shouldn't have had to have earned. Did you ever wonder all these decades later why previous generations of men didn't whine that women weren't drafted? Well, they were men. It never crossed their mind to make their daughters and their wives literally fight their battles. You complain about modern women and lament what happened to traditional women. Well, geez, what's with these modern men and what happened to traditional men who didn't want me to go fight on their behalf? And, you know, maybe think about why people think it's weird to draft women into war. Could it be the same reason trans men in women's sports is so obtuse to conservatives? It's unfair. We can't compete on the same level, and that's just in sports. What do you think will happen on the battlefield? Women will be dead in minutes. Men produce 15 times the testosterone as a woman at any age. That's like pitting a lion against a cat and calling it a fair fight. Our enemy would just go for all the women and murder them mercilessly. And just think what will happen if the enemy captures a woman and the type of torture they could inflict on her. People couldn't even handle that. You know, that's the tough facts about the military. It's about having the best and most fit. It's a killing machine. Those in charge see soldiers not as people, but as numbers to stack against another country's army. They need people they can physically keep up. They need the best instrument. In raw terms, you can eliminate 50% of the population. Women just can't compete physically. I'd get mad about the fact that you're physically stronger, too, you know, but you also get to walk outside at night without fear. So you give some and then you get some. I always find these podcast clips so interesting because denying women's contribution to America doesn't make it not true. Every man alive owes his very life to a woman. She was willing to be pregnant, go through childbirth, and then raise your ass for 18 years. No easy task. Ask a man. They'd rather go to war than give birth. Women have long bore the domestic responsibility, freeing up men's time to be able to work grueling jobs, endure long hours, yada, yada, yada. But domestic work is work. It's why men try to constantly get out of it. Not earning a paycheck for domestic labor doesn't make it less valuable. If anything, it gives it more value. Because women don't do it for the money, but for love. Ask any mother who's lost a son in war. She'd trade places in an instant. She'd rather have died herself than watch her son die in a war. Let's not forget the peacetime draft was instituted from 1940 to 1973, and it did include times of conflict. But remember, it ended more than 50 years ago. Gen X, millennials, and Gen Z have never lived through a draft. They weren't called for service. Hey, Mr. Podcast Host, you're too old for the draft. They don't want you anymore. I can't imagine how bad a conflict we'd have to get into for them to take old men. That's Ukraine-level problems. You're acting like the draft affects you, but... <laughs> It doesn't. It's misleading. The draft has been on standby since 1973. Unless you volunteer for service, you're not getting drafted. You're too old. But hey, why not use it and feign victimhood so you can take my right to vote away? It's just a weak little excuse you want to use to get what you want. It would be like me saying that women are at a higher risk for rape, so we need to castrate all men to level the sexual playing field. 
I shouldn't be making my problems your problems as well. That's immoral, unethical, and tyrannical. You're acting just like those racist feminists you complain of, using your hatred of women to deny us the right to vote. What are you going to do next? Take the right to vote away from black people? And dude, don't be so lazy. Women got out there and fought for stuff. We marched. We raised hell. Get out there and protest the draft. Women held hunger strikes and got radical. Stop propping up tyranny and oppression just to keep women out of voting. You say that men are oppressed by the draft and women would be more vocal about it and nobody cares because it's men's issues. Well, God, care about it for yourself. Fight to have it repealed. Most men don't care. I mean, or they would do something about it probably. Why are you so willing to hold something oppressive against yourself just to keep women from voting? It's a bit sick. It's like cutting your nose off to spite your face. Take a note from Emmeline Parkhurst, who was a radical suffragette. She got arrested 12 times within a year and served up to 30 days in jail. As the Beastie Boys would say, you gotta fight for your right to not be drafted. How about this analogy? Maybe y'all understand this one. It would be like me being affected by a vaccine mandate. I oppose it. It's my body, my choice. I have autonomy over what goes in my body. But I wouldn't leave it there. I would start complaining about it, saying it's unfair and oppressive, and then demand that someone else be subject to the mandate. That doesn't solve anything. It just expands tyranny and authoritarianism. But what if everything I've been telling you is just a total load of crap, okay? Let's just say you're right and voting should be linked to selective service. Well, maybe more women could get on board with that than you think. Because see... If I couldn't vote, then I wouldn't have to pay taxes, right? Because no taxation without representation? Maybe it would work in women's benefit. We could work our jobs, pocket gobs of money our male counterparts would have to pay in taxes. Then we could buy up the businesses and be crazy and wild about our financial dominance over men. But you wouldn't like that now, then, would you? Every single time I see clips from the Whatever podcast, it reminds me of the worst of mankind. That dude on that podcast, that his cronies do the same trick that the devil is famous for. Ever read the book of Genesis? The devil pitted men versus women to distract them from God's commandment and their purpose for their life. The result, sin entered the world. Women had to have pain in childbirth and men had to toil the rest of their lives with work. Didn't work out great for us, did it? Anytime I see anyone pulling this trick of putting enmity between men and women, I know their intentions are not pure. They're demonic. You are, after all, using his original trick. And if you're really concerned about a sexist law, the selective service, then fight to get rid of it. Don't make a law that men passed before you become my problem today. Personal opinion time here. The draft is wrong. No one should be forced to do anything, especially forced conscription into service. But by saying the draft is unfair for men and then using it as an excuse to deny me the right to vote, you're doing nothing but enabling tyranny. Why not just push to remove the draft? You're taking my right to vote away, but it doesn't necessarily help men. Regardless of the fact that women get to vote and not enroll in the selective service, you're still the one eligible for the draft. Complain all you want, but it's not changing anytime soon. It seems what you're doing is trying to dress up your blatant misogyny in a false narrative of history and a false sense of victimhood. While being busy trying to take away women's right to vote, you're clinging on to an archaic law that makes you sacrifice your life. But maybe that's the root cause right there. The starting point, the depth of your misogyny, is that you'd rather die in war than let a woman vote. 
Don't forget to listen to my interview with a 2024 presidential candidate. That drops this coming Sunday night. Watch it on YouTube or catch it on the podcast. In the meantime, be sure to follow the Ladies Love Politics channel on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, True Social, Brighty on Social, and Twitter.